Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Uh, today's Monday, April 8th. We have a huge show today. Uh, this is my last podcast before we go to spring break, before I go to, before I take a break for spring ball. Let me be very, very clear. I play quarterback in college. Our first spring practice is tonight. Our first practice of spring football is tonight. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm dying. I got with, with school, with the podcast, with playing football, I have a lot on my plate. Um, I'm going to take a very short break from the show for just a couple weeks uh, while spring ball is happening. Then the show will be back in May. Um, and uh, man, I, I got to say first, uh, but my buddy Nathan Hawthorne bought me a flag uh, to put behind me on the show. It's super cool. I'm very excited. Um, I hope it looks good. I don't know. I think you might. The contrast will be stark. If you're watching on YouTube, you might notice that the shirt I wear is actually blue. I wear a blue shirt. There's a black background behind me. They're different colors. I hope I can, uh, in editing the video, I can make it clear in the contrast. It goes up enough that you can see. Um, we have a big show today. I, uh, and, and by the way, before people get all mad at me, everybody hates the wall. Everyone's always mad. I do not care what the show looks like. It's not about what the, you see on screen. It's not about me. It's about the film I show. It's about the things I say. I, I wear the same shirt every episode. I, I'm glad the wall looks a little better. Maybe that will make people happy, but I really don't care. And for the record, behind me, I shoot into a corner. So the flag goes down this wall. There's a corner directly behind me. I'm kind of sitting in the corner looking at you guys. Um, and, and I just, I, I, again, I, I do not care how the show looks. We have a big show today. We're going to talk about Jarrett Stidham. We're going to talk about Tyree Jackson, the quarterback from Buffalo. Again, I'm going to break down these quarterbacks. I'll break down Jarrett Stidham from Auburn. I'll break down the Buffalo quarterback, Tyree Jackson, and I'm going to break down the quarterback from NC State, Ryan Finley, a guy a lot of people love. And uh, I think some of my opinions in this episode are, um, I don't know, opinion's not the right word. I did my research. I, I, what I found when I looked at these guys was like, oh, it's very interesting. I think some people are going to be angry. Um, I apologize for that, but that's, that's my analysis. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant down the road. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. That was that big gigantic Aaron Rodgers story. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the Alliance of American Football folding. We'll talk about the Giants. We'll be revisit Drew Locke. Got some baseball stuff. We have a lot of good stuff ahead. I want to start with this, though. I want to start with Jarrett Stidham. So, uh, Jarrett Stidham is the quarterback. He's coming out of Auburn. He's entered the 2019 NFL Draft. And before we get into an analysis of Jarrett Stidham, you got to get to know him a little bit. There's a couple things you should understand as context for his season and as context for my film analysis. The first thing you got to know is the people around him were not very good. His teammates, oh my goodness, um, I, I felt legitimately bad for Jarrett Stidham. And I don't, look, I, I try to remove emotion when I watch film. The amount of dropped passes I saw when I watched Jarrett Stidham's film, oh my goodness, there were deep passes dropped. There were short passes dropped. There were touchdown passes dropped. Touchdowns dropped. It is awful. Uh, drop after drop after drop after drop pass. It's like, are you kidding me? I felt so, so bad. Um, look, his receivers couldn't catch the ball. Very, uh, often, his receivers struggled catching the ball. He had a guy, number 18, who occasionally made some good plays. Also, his offensive line really, really struggled. Ton of missed assignments. Guys were badly beaten at the line of scrimmage. It was a mess, man. Um, the poor guy was under duress all the time. And Auburn's offense did not execute things well. These are not his fault. These are a lot of things out of his control. Many times they would lose, lose a lot of yards because of a missed assignment or because of poor effort. 
That's not Jarrett Stidham's fault. Jarrett Stidham was not the problem with Auburn's offense last year. You also got to know his offensive scheme did not help him very much. He ran a very prototypical college offense, which means a lot of screen passes, a lot of very simple reads, easy completions. Um, All these things did not help prepare him for the NFL. He really is, the offense he ran is a hindrance and will affect him in the NFL. I don't know if it'll affect him, but what it does is it limits the amount of NFL throws he makes. So when you look, when you evaluate Jarrett Stidham, you got to be aware of all the drop passes, the bad offensive line, the college offense he played in the schemes with the simplified reads. Um, And you got to kind of sift through all of that and go, okay, how do we determine? Is he a good NFL quarterback or not? What can we find? And I think you can. It's, It's enough, but he's a weird prospect because some things indicate that he could be a really great quarterback in the NFL. And other things are concerning. If you wanted to, if you wanted to be this guy, you could build an argument for either side. And that's what we're going to do. You could build an argument for why Jarrett Stidham could succeed. And you could build an argument for why he's not going to be a good NFL quarterback. Um, Again, the team around him was awful. He made the best of a bad situation and ran a simple offense. But he made really good decisions. In spite of the weird offense, in spite of this and the simple completions, he did his job. He did a really, really good job putting the ball in the right spot. He was patient. He worked all the way through his reads. He made more good plays than bad plays. He threw the ball away at times. He would check down. These are all things you like. You like a guy who doesn't force the ball into coverage. I mean, I think he literally threw five interceptions all season last year. That's pretty good. And that's a solid argument. You can say, look, Jarrett Stidham, from a decision-making standpoint, makes good decisions. You could say that is why he will succeed at the NFL level. Here's what concerns me. Remember that simple offense? What that means is he's usually throwing to wide receivers who are wide open. His, he was not challenged when it came to completions. And in fact, the times he was challenged, he did not often throw the ball into tight windows. He could not complete those passes. When the pocket's clean, when the offensive line is fantastic, when receivers are wide open, he's great. It's, it's very easy. However... When there's pressure in his face, his accuracy declines. When he's about to get hit, his accuracy drops off a cliff. And then you see this. There's a throw against Washington. It's a really, really small window. He's late, and the ball is high. He does not throw the ball and fit it into the tight window. It's a late throw. The ball goes over the guy's head. And because of the offense Auburn ran, he had fewer opportunities than most other college quarterbacks to make NFL type of throws. He had limited opportunities to show NFL scouts, hey, I can fit the ball into tight windows. And the sad thing is when you watch film, he did not capitalize on those opportunities. He regularly did not succeed. When you watch Justin Herbert, the quarterback at Oregon, there were throws last year you go, oh my goodness, there's a corner against Cal. That is an NFL throw. He did it all the time. However, that's at Oregon. That's, that's a different quarterback, Justin Herbert. Jarrett Stidham does not regularly make NFL throws, does not regularly fit the ball into really tight windows. There's a throw against Tennessee. He had an opportunity to throw the ball into a throw a hole shot, which is where you throw the ball behind the corner and before the safety can come across the field and make the play. He missed it. He didn't hit it. Ah, dang it. That's one opportunity. He missed he really raises questions. Can Jarrett Stidham beat man coverage at the NFL level where the windows are smaller, where receivers are not wide open, where they're open by a step or six inches? Now, I found two examples last year where he threaded the needle. 
two out of like, he had like 14 opportunities all season, about one a game, and he completed two of them. They were both against Mississippi State. One was on a comeback. It's deep down the left sideline. It's a really tight window. That's a good throw. The other one was a deep pass on the right sideline. He did exactly what we said. He, he fits the ball into a tight window down the right sideline. That's fantastic. So look, when you watch him, you say, there's a chance he could succeed at an NFL level. He makes good decisions. He's willing to throw the ball away. He throws to his checkdowns. He's a far better, he does a far better job at going through his progressions than some of the other quarterbacks in this draft class. The problem is he's not a top talent because there's not a lot of great NFL throws. There's not a lot of tight, good throws in a tight windows. He's got an average arm. And if he was a top NFL talent, here's my problem. Here's where I can't get myself to buy into Jarrett Stidham. If he was a top-level NFL quarterback, a first-round quarterback, it would be very, very obvious. And it's just not. It doesn't stick out to you on paper. The difference between a third-round quarterback and a first-round quarterback is really not that great. It's I believe he could become a third-round a good quarterback. A third-round quarterback is a guy you believe could become a great NFL quarterback. And a first-round quarterback is a guy you believe is a good NFL quarterback. There's a difference in preparedness. Jarrett Stidham needs to sit. He's roughly a third-round quarterback. He needs to sit behind a really good quarterback and develop. I think he could succeed again. He makes good decisions. That's the baseline you need to be a good NFL quarterback. But can he make throws into tight windows? We didn't see a lot of it in college, and that's concerning. He had some great moments. There was a comeback against Texas A&M. It's the best thing I saw on film from this guy. His comeback against Texas A&M, his wide receivers made good plays. He had good throws downfield. He led them back from behind. They were down like 24 to 14 with five minutes left. They won the ball game. That He did that with his arm, and receivers caught the passes. That's fantastic. I love that. But he's not ready to play. Jarrett Stidham needs to sit. He needs to learn behind a really good quarterback. And if he does that, there is a chance he will be successful in the NFL. How about Tyree Jackson? So, um, <clears throat> Tyree Jackson is the quarterback out of University of Buffalo. NFL prospect. Uh, first of all, you got to know this. This guy is incredibly gifted as a quarterback. The ability he has to throw the football is unbelievable. Cannon for an arm. He's really, really huge. You can't tackle him. He can run. And because of his gigantic arm and the fact that he can throw the ball all over the field, he can make throws other quarterbacks simply cannot make. It's very, very impressive. There's a throw against Miami of Ohio. He extends the play to the left. He gets outside the pocket, flicks the ball down the left sideline into the tightest smallest little window you can imagine. If he misses a throw by inches, it's an incompletion. That's a high level, really an NFL throw. You go, oh, wow, that's a, that's a really, really great throw. It's a perfect location. Well, there's another play in the same game against Miami of Ohio. He extends the play to the left, chucks the ball like 60 yards, literally, I think, 60 yards in the air downfield, and you go, oh, my goodness. Your, your eyes kind of pop out of your head, and you go, that's a different cat. This guy throws the ball differently than other quarterbacks. Plus, he's huge. You can run the ball. You can't tackle Tyree Jackson. He's like a freight train. He's really similar to Drew Locke, but he's far worse. The good is incredible. He makes some throws. You go, wow, that is impressive. But the bad plays from Tyree Jackson make you want to go hide under a rock. They are awful. They are awful. He makes far too many bad decisions. There's a throw against Kent State. 
where he just throws the ball for grabs into triple coverage. Like, what are you doing? There's three defenders there. There's two of your wide receivers. You're just kind of chucking it deep. That's not a good decision at all. Tyree Jackson is all over the place. He makes really bad decisions. He's inaccurate. Sometimes he's got really poor ball location. And it really, when you watch his, the re, part of the reason for this is because his mechanics are not very good. When you watch him throw a football, he looks like a pitcher in baseball. It's all arm. He doesn't have a great base beneath him. And these are fixable mistakes. His accuracy issues are fixable, fixable problems. He never had a private quarterback coach growing up. I, I feel bad for the guy. I, I had help when I was a kid. I had a guy who worked with me for free, helped me do my mechanics. Tyree Jackson never had that. Simply, Tyree Jackson needs to work on fundamentals, the, the basic fundamentals of throwing a football. When you watch a guy like Baker Mayfield throw the football, he's got a great base beneath him. He uses his legs and he uses his core to create torque and drive the ball downfield. Baker, I, I, I will die on this hill. Baker has the best mechanics in the entire NFL for optimizing arm strength, for getting the most out of your body. If Tyree Jackson's mechanics were half as consistent as Baker's, then I think not only would his accuracy skyrocket, I think he'd even increase his velocity a little bit because if he can learn to use his legs and use his core to drive the ball downfield to stay on balance, he would dramatically improve. But right now, he's just not ready to play. His mechanics are all over the place. He's inaccurate. He makes bad decisions. In college, he often threw to his first or his second option. He rarely worked all the way through his progression, and he doesn't have much patience. He doesn't have the ability to take what the defense gives him. You never really see him throw the ball away. That's not who he is as a quarterback. You see him trying to force the ball downfield into coverage. But somebody's going to fall in love with Tyree Jackson. Some team is going to look at him and go, we can use his talent and turn him into a great quarterback. That's what happened with Patrick Mahomes. I think a team like the Broncos would be a great fit for Tyree Jackson, where he can go and sit and learn behind a quarterback like Joe Flacco for a year or two, maybe even three. But if a coach can consistently bring the best out of Tyree Jackson, then literally he could become an NFL MVP. He's that talented. Physically, he is the most gifted quarterback in this draft class. But you got to harness it. You got to get him more consistent. You got to work on his mechanics. You got to improve his decision-making. And if you don't do all that stuff, He's not going to succeed in the NFL. He's got to learn how to work all the way through progressions before he can ever become a starter in the NFL. However, I will say this. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to watch Tyree Jackson in the NFL preseason. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be a beautiful, chaotic mess. And I really believe in the preseason next year with Tyree Jackson, he could make some incredible plays that make all of us turn our heads and go, Oh my goodness, that's, that's just a wild world. Because that's what I saw on film. What I saw on film when I watched Tyree Jackson of Buffalo is a guy who regularly wows you and regularly makes you go, oh, come on, man, we're all rooting for you. That's a terrible decision. You know it, I know it, we all know it. If Tyree Jackson can get the best out of him all the time, if a coach can harness the best of Tyree Jackson, he will be an unbelievable special quarterback. His ceiling is so much higher than guys like Jarrett Stidham or... Ryan Finley, the amount of potential that Tyree Jackson has. Well, admittedly, basically meaningless if he can't figure out the other stuff. But if you can get the best out of Tyree Jackson, he could become one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Okay, uh, let's now talk about Ryan Finley, the quarterback out of NC State. This one is a, uh, 
I think a lot of fans, a lot of people have an emotional connection to Ryan Finley because they've liked him for years or they're an NC State fan. I want to be very, very clear. I have a ton of respect for what Ryan Finley did at NC State. Played in a lot of games. He put up really good numbers. But the reality is it does not matter at all to the NFL. They don't care. Cam Newton started for one season at Auburn. He's been an NFL starter for eight years. He's thrown for over 28,000 yards. It doesn't matter how good or how long your college career was. Ask Colt McCoy. Ask Kellen Moore, Sean Mannion, Colt Brennan. A bunch of guys had great college careers, put up good numbers and did a lot of good stuff and did basically nothing in the NFL. It doesn't matter. And Ryan Finley, I see some really good stuff when I watch film. He works all the way through progressions. I regularly saw him throw the ball away instead of forcing it into coverage. He takes what the defense gives him often. He's patient. And also, he throws great, fantastic goal line fades. If you pair Ryan Finley with a guy like Mike Evans from the Buccaneers, oh my goodness, they could do a lot of damage together on the goal line. But for all the good decisions you see on film, there's also bad ones. Against Boston College, he simply did not see a linebacker through a very easy interception. He had two really ugly interceptions against Texas A&M. The second one was where Texas A&M fooled him. A linebacker starts down at the line of scrimmage as if he's going to pass rush. Then right before the snap, he backs off late. Finley never sees him, gives Texas A&M an easy pick six. Against Clemson, he floats the ball up in the middle of the field, doesn't drive it into the end zone. And the underthrow allows a linebacker to grab an interception. Interceptions happen. You know, mistakes are forgivable. But it's harder to forgive a guy like Ryan Finley. You know, if Drew Locke or Tyree Jackson makes a mistake, a coach would have an easier time letting it go. Because they're incredibly physically gifted. They're really, really talented. The harsh reality is that the more talented a player is, the longer their leash is. Huge, physically gifted players get multiple opportunities because coaches want to harness their potential. Ryan Finley is physically limited. His arm strength is subpar. And let me be very clear. Here's what that means. When I say Ryan Finley has average to below average arm strength, what I do not mean is this. I do not mean he can't throw the ball a long ways. Ryan Finley can throw the ball a long ways. It's not about that. When I say Ryan Finley struggles with arm strength, what I mean is he struggles to throw the ball downfield into tight windows. Finley has an average arm. He struggles with outbreaking routes, with comebacks, with 10-yard outs. He has a problem. He's not great. He doesn't drive the ball well along the sidelines. I have some examples I will show you. Get mad at me if you want. I'll show you what he struggles with. My first example is a throw against Clemson. He's throwing an out route on the right sideline, which means it's about 12 yards downfield, way on the outside of the field. He does a good job. He throws the ball early before the receiver's out of his break. You know, what that means is he throws the ball while the receiver's still running his route. You know, it's a good timing throw. But the ball's too far inside, and the ball takes far too long to travel to his target. What that does is it allows the defender to make a break on the ball and break up the pass. Arm strength, it matters. It took too long for the ball to get to his target. There's a throw against North Carolina. He throws a hole shot. 
What that means is you're trying to throw the ball in behind the corner and on a line before the safety can get there and break up the play. He's unable to drive the ball behind the corner and before the safety can get there, it's an incompletion. There's another throw against Wake Forest. Again, the ball takes too long to travel to its target and reach the sideline. The pass falls incomplete because it took too long and a defender was able to make a play on the ball. Because Ryan Finley has average arm strength, he needs to be flawless. He cannot afford to make mental mistakes. And in the NFL, if you have an average arm like he does and you make mental mistakes, you're not going to last very long. That's the problem with Ryan Finley. He does some things well. I like what I see on tape from Ryan Finley. He does a lot of good stuff. There's a clip against Texas A&M where he handles a messy pocket really, really well, delivers a good pass. There are two final throws I want to highlight. The first one is a throw against Texas A&M. And let's be clear, Texas A&M was a rough game for him, but this throw right here is the best throw he made all season. It's fantastic because it's a big-time NFL throw. It's a perfect location into a tiny window over the middle of the field. It's on a line before the safety can get there, and it's about six inches out of reach of the linebacker's hands. If he misses this throw by six inches, it's an incomplete pass. You cannot make a better throw than he threw right here. Against North Carolina, he threaded the needle. The receiver beats the corner. He puts the ball in a tight window before the safety can get there and make the play. That's a great high-level NFL throw. So Ryan Finley is a mixed bag. He makes some mental mistakes that, I mean, let's be honest, he really doesn't have the talent to get away with that. There's also some real legitimate concerns with his ability to throw outbreaking routes along the sideline. Ten-yard outs, deep comebacks. What we saw on film was... Uh, he, he, the ball takes too long to travel to its target. However, those two throws at the end showed us this, Texas A&M and the North Carolina hole shot. What they showed us is that at his best, Ryan Finley does have the capacity to make high-level NFL throws. He doesn't do it enough. He's a risky pick. I don't know that I would pick him, but there is a chance he succeeds at the next level in the NFL. Uh, you know, it's interesting. All these late-round quarterbacks have issues. You know, there's reasons why they're ranked where they are ranked. The next three guys I want to eventually get to are Brett Rippon uh, from Boise State, Clayton Thorson from Northwestern, and Easton Stick, the quarterback from uh, North Dakota State. Um, I'm in the middle of spring ball. Our first practice is tonight, so I probably will not be able to do this until later after spring ball, probably in May. Um, but let's hope one of those guys go to the Patriots or another team like that because it would be really interesting if Clayton Thorson goes to the Patriots or, you know, man, if Brett Rippon went to the Patriots, that would be so exciting because we could break it down with that context. I would love that. Um, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will talk about Drew Locke. We'll talk about Kevin Durant. We're gonna, we have a lot of good stuff ahead. We'll talk about baseball. We'll talk about the Giants. I got to just take a break and catch my breath and just take a minute. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I will be right back all right we are back um i want to very briefly say in case you don't know a lot of people keep asking about this i want to just get the message out to people Uh, if you want you can support me on patreon.com patreon.com forward slash zach shomler or uh you can support me on paypal paypal.me forward slash zach shomler uh well i've been watching film recently of tyree jackson jared stidham ryan finley um, it made me realize I might have been a little bit hard on Missouri quarterback Drew Locke when I did my film analysis and final judgment of him. Drew Locke is really, really talented. And I went back, I watched my analysis of him, 
and I'm afraid I made it sound like he's not a first-round pick. I made it sound like it was just dire straits, and Drew Locke is awful. Um, when you compare Ryan Finley and Drew Locke, Ryan Finley, the NC State quarterback, and Drew Locke, they have similar decision-making ability. They both make a similar amount of mistakes. Um, you know, and, and you know, Tyree Jackson makes Drew Locke, Tyree Jackson, the Buffalo quarterback, makes Drew Locke look like the best decision-maker of all time. And I just, I, I want to be very clear. I think I might have over... Um, overstated the mistakes that Drew Locke makes. Um, so what it did is made me go back and watch film of Andrew Luck and Sam Darnold. And uh, while Andrew Luck's film is incredible, Andrew Luck makes over and over and over again. He threads the needle, makes high-level NFL throws. But right, you know, Andrew Luck had really horrible interceptions in college. I'm going to show some on film. Uh, throws against USC, you're like, man, that's, that's a bad pick six. I don't know if that's okay. And so did Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold... Also through, also through really bad interceptions in college. And I just fear when I, when I did an analysis of uh, Drew Locke, my fear is that I was a little bit too harsh. And uh, I, I think the guy's a first-round talent. He's really, really good at making incredible high-level throws. And he makes mistakes. But again, so did Andrew Luck. So did Sam Darnold. And I think I just was a little bit too harsh when I evaluated Drew Locke, the quarterback out of Missouri. Uh, let's shift our attention now to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is widely hated in the sports world. Uh, many people hate him because he joined the Golden State Warriors. I understand this. Uh, you know, they joined the Warriors when they were the best team in the NBA. They just won 73 games their previous season. They went to the NBA Finals. And uh, Kevin Durant joined that roster, the best team probably in the NBA. Uh, I personally never had a real issue with Kevin Durant doing this. Um, you know, I, I think I'd be a hypocrite if I did. Before my junior year of high school, I transferred high schools to a new school. Um, I wanted a chance to play, and I wanted to be a part of a better program. I thought winning would be fun. Let's go win games. And, um, you know, it's not a perfect comparison, but I understand what it's like to move, to get out of one situation, to go to another, because uh, I've done that. And Kevin Durant wanted a championship. He got it. You might not like the way he did it, um, but most guys do not have rings, and he went out and got what he wanted. I actually, I really respect what Kevin Durant did. A lot of people hate him for it. Totally understandable. Um, I'm just not one of those people. I don't hate him for what he did. In fact, uh, to me, Kevin Durant recently has become somewhat of a sympathetic character. It's, it's been very documented. Kevin Durant really struggles with the way people talk about him. He doesn't like being talked about on social media and in the media in general. Um, he's, you know, in the past, it's been documented. He's made fake burner accounts on social media. He's been known to clap back at people on Twitter. Uh, he responded to a guy once who criticized his work ethic and compared him to Kobe Bryant. Um, he also responded to CJ McCollum, who plays for the Blazers, when he criticized Kevin Durant on Twitter. Um, I feel like the more strong opinion sports grows, the more attention I get. And I don't mean to sound condescending. My fear is that this makes me sound pretentious. That's not my intent at all. But the more messages I get on social media, the more comments I get on YouTube, the more I feel like I start to understand the way Kevin Durant feels. It's, let me tell you, it is so annoying to be constantly compared to other people. I understand it comes with the territory. It's part of the job. Um, but man, I, I feel like sometimes I don't get credit for my own work. A lot of people always say you're, 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 you're Colin Cowherd, but you're the lesser version. And it's like, I, please, I want credit for my own opinions and things I say. I don't call up Colin Cowherd and go, Hey, uh, 
what should my opinion be today? I don't, I don't do that. I don't even watch his show. Um, people always compare Kevin Durant to guys like Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kobe Bryant. Dude, it's so exhausting. I'm really starting to understand. In some ways, it's really, really cool, right? If you told 10-year-old Zach people were going to compare you to Colin Cowherd, I'd be ecstatic. And in some ways, I think he's the Michael Jordan of sports broadcasting. But also, I do my own work. You know, it's really annoying. I get thousands and thousands of comments saying, you're just a poor man's Colin Cowherd. I do my own thing. I do my own show. And I don't listen to that guy's show. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't do it. Um, and the point is this. Being compared to other people, it sucks. You know, getting comments, not to mention getting comments where people say, you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're an idiot, I hate your hair, you're wow, this, that. There's so much noise out there. Um, I know that, you know, it sucks. You're not supposed to say that those kind of comments hurt you because what it does is people go, oh, great, we're going to dig into Zach even more. I know you're not supposed to say that. I don't care. Nobody likes having bad stuff said about them. It doesn't feel good. Kevin Durant doesn't like it. Kevin Durant doesn't like people comparing him to LeBron. Kevin Durant doesn't like the constant criticism and saying, you got a ring, but you did it the wrong way and this and that, and people telling Kevin Durant how to live his life. I'm starting to really understand that. Um, and, and what I do when I get annoyed or frustrated, I take a step back. I take a step back, and I go back to the basics of why do I do this? Why do I make videos? Why do I do strong opinion sports? I do it because I love making content. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love making the show. And I think Kevin Durant needs to go back to the basics. I think Kevin Durant needs to remember. Look, I, I cannot imagine a world where Kevin Durant doesn't love playing basketball. The amount of work that guy's put in, as good as his jump shot is, he's probably shot thousands and thousands, if uh, hundreds of thousands of jump shots over his lifetime. Maybe million. I don't know. I, I don't know the numbers. But the point is this. I'm certain, I guarantee, Kevin Durant loves basketball. You don't do all the work he's done unless you love it. And I really hope, what I'm rooting for in the future for Kevin Durant, as a person, as a human, I hope Kevin Durant can get back to just enjoying the game, enjoy winning. You're, being, you're on top. Just enjoy being in that moment, being the best at what you do. Um, I, I love making analogies. I love, um, it makes creating content more enjoyable. That's my style. And I hope 10 years from now, eventually, all the comments about me trying to be a, a copy of other people, I hope they go away and people can stop comparing me to other people and say, oh, Zach has his own platform. He's been doing it for 10 years. That's who I am. But it might never happen. It might never happen. And it might never happen for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant might literally never stop having people compare him to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and this and that. Um, and you got to just forget about the noise. You got to just let it go. Enjoy the process. Enjoy making videos. Enjoy shooting. If you're Kevin Durant, enjoy playing basketball. Enjoy your teammates. Enjoy winning games. Enjoy it. You cannot let the negative comments bring you too far down. And you can't let the really positive comments bring you too far up. You got to stay even keel. And uh, you just can't let you raise you up or blow you down too much either way. And so, I, again, I think what I found with Kevin Durant is I found uh, somewhat of an identification with him. Is you got to just, but he, what he doesn't do, and what I hope he does someday, is finds a way to just enjoy the process, enjoy doing what you love. That's what I'm rooting for, Kevin Durant. I'm rooting for Kevin Durant as the person to find some peace and just enjoy playing basketball. Because I really, um, what I do again when I struggle and I have weird comments and loud people all over the place, I just kind of let it, let it go. And uh, let it sink into the back of my mind and just 
enjoy making content. Because why I do this, and the reason I do this, is because I just very much enjoy making videos and making podcasts. And if Kevin Durant can get back to the basics and enjoy basketball the same way I think I can enjoy making podcasts, I think his life would be much, much easier and much, much better. I really, you know, my fear with that, that whole topic is I, I just hope it's not pretentious. I don't mean, that's not my, my intent. It's not who I am. Um, and that's my number one fear. I, I wrote that and was like, is that, I don't know. I don't know. And you be the judge, right? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. That's not my intent. Um, but I just found a, a strong identification with Kevin Durant, this guy who struggles with the noise and struggles with all the, the comments and the constant comparisons. And I was like, man. I'm struggling with the exact same thing. I don't like this. I don't like people comparing me to other people and people saying I suck or this or that or telling me what to do. And uh, I would imagine that's what Kevin Durant struggles with. And in fact, that is what he struggles with. You can see evidence of it through the history of the way he's carried himself on Twitter. And um, I hope he does what I do, which again is just go back to the basics and go back to doing it and why you do it, why you love making videos, why you love shooting a basketball why you love playing basketball. If Kevin Durant can get back to the basics, um, I think his life will be much, much better. Okay, let's now shift gears to the New York Giants. Um, I firmly believe that the New York Giants will not pick a quarterback with a number six overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. So recently, Giants general manager Dave Gettleman went on to an NFL Network show, uh, Good Morning Football. Hey, by the way, NFL Network, if you're watching, hey, give me a call. I'd love to work with you guys. Um, but he shared some of his philosophy behind free agency and behind the draft. And he said that his theory on free agency is that he needs to, he wants to fill all the needs on the Giants roster so that in the draft, he's allowed to pick the best player available. He doesn't want to be beholden to, we need a blank. We need a receiver. We need a quarterback. We need a linebacker. We need this. We need that. He wants the freedom to just pick whoever the best player available on the draft board is. That is Dave Gettleman's philosophy as a general manager. He believes in drafting the best player available. And what that does, that really explains why he drafted Saquon Barkley last year. Sam Darnold was available, but he said Saquon Barkley is a borderline Hall of Fame generational talent. We're not going to pass on Saquon Barkley. He made the pick. I think it worked out. It makes sense. And so Dave Gettleman's philosophy, again, what it tells us is there is 0% chance the Giants draft a quarterback like Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins with the number six overall pick. It's just not going to happen because this NFL draft is loaded with players that are not quarterbacks. Great, fantastic defensive players. And let's be honest, Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback out of Ohio State, Drew Locke, the quarterback out of Missouri, they're not even in the top 10 players available in the 2019 NFL draft. They're not. Between guys like Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Quinnen Williams, Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary, TJ Hawkinson, Jawan Taylor, Devin White, those are just eight of a ton of guys who are incredibly talented in this year's 2019 NFL draft. I am convinced because of Dave Gettleman's philosophy, I strongly believe the Giants will not pick a quarterback with a number six overall pick. There's too many talent, other talented players available. The Giants will not pick a quarterback with a number six overall pick. Another interesting NFL draft storyline is that it's been rumored that the Denver Broncos are going to pick a quarterback with their first round draft pick. I think they have a 10th overall pick. 
And I actually think it's possible that they're not going to. I think it's very possible. Um, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not even saying that it's smart to pass on a quarterback. You know, Drew Locke sitting behind a player like Joe Flacco for a year would be really, I think, a very smart move. But if you think about it, you look at it from this view, um, the Broncos hired Bears quarterback Vic Fangio, Bears defensive coordinator. The Broncos hired the former Bears defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, to be their new head coach. He's a great, fantastic defensive mind. They also traded for quarterback Joe Flacco from the Ravens, a guy who's a former Super Bowl MVP. He's a really, at times, I haven't broken down his film. I cannot wait to watch. I want to see how good he is. But I think it's very possible that if you look at his track record, you look at what he's done, I think it's possible that the Broncos look at Joe Flacco and say, this is our starting quarterback. We believe in him. We're all in on Joe Flacco. In fact, if you look at their Instagram account, when Joe Flacco was traded to the Broncos, they put out a picture saying, welcome, this is our new quarterback, Joe Flacco, our new starting, they, we used the words, they said, this is our new starting quarterback, Joe Flacco. And look, that's not a great argument. I know that, you know, social media and the NFL office and, you know, they're all very different branches of the same company. They don't work together for sure. But uh, it's possible that the Broncos view Joe Flacco as their guy. And what I think really could happen is that the Broncos might draft a quarterback like Tyree Jackson later in the draft, in the second or the third round. I think it's just a possibility that maybe they draft defense to help their new head, their new head coach, Vic Fangio. Maybe they draft offense and build up the offense around their new quarterback, Joe Flacco. But I'm really, really curious to see what the Broncos do. And I think it's very possible they do not pick a quarterback in the first round. Maybe not. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I think it's possible they build around Joe Flacco or they pick a defensive player to help their coach and don't draft a quarterback like Drew Locke or Daniel Jones. And instead, later in the draft pick, again, maybe Tyree Jackson from Buffalo in the second or third round. By the way, um, I have no intention of doing a mock draft for the 2019 NFL draft. I just don't. I'm not doing a mock draft. Not who I, not who I am. It's not in my plans. Um, I have very, very limited time. I'm in the middle of spring football right now. And um, I'm just, I'm interested in quarterbacks. I can't watch film on every single position. I just, it's not who I am. I can't do that. Um, I can't determine every single team need. I just don't, I don't want to take the time to sit down and figure through all this stuff. I want to cover quarterbacks. And um, let's be honest, by the way, about mock drafts. Mock drafts are regularly wrong. Name me the one person who's filled out a, a great, perfect mock draft. I'm sure it happens, but it reminds me kind of like filling out a bracket in March Madness. You're just guessing a lot of the time, and it's not accurate. And I'm not a guy. I don't like making a bunch of guesses. That's not who I, I – maybe, but not, not in the draft. It just doesn't, it doesn't interest me at all. Um, like, you do a ton of work. You figure out all the team needs. You draft all the – you grade all these players. You watch all this film. You do all this work to make a great mock draft, and then guess what? None of it happens the way you pick it, you perceive it at all. And I just don't want to do all this work for something that's completely wrong. I know I could get a ton of views doing a mock draft. Um, but I don't make content just to get views. That's not who I am. If I wanted to get a bunch of views, I would probably just make really crappy, like clickbaity vlogs on YouTube. But that's, I don't make content to get views alone. I want views. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to make a mock draft. I just, that's not who I am. I don't have any interest and I think they're often wildly wrong and inaccurate. So I just like, I'm good. What we'll do is we'll talk about the draft when it happens. We'll go, oh my gosh, 
the Cowboys picked this guy or the Patriots picked this quarterback or the Broncos didn't pick a quarterback or the Giants picked a quarterback and we'll react to it and we'll break down what that means for everybody. But what I don't want to do is try to predict what every team is going to do because let's be honest, you're just wildly wrong most of the time. And I don't want to spend a lot of effort and time for a video that's just completely wrong in two weeks. I'm just like, I'm good. I don't want to do that. Uh, Briefly too, I want to say this. Um, I've changed my approach as a broadcaster. Yeah, I look back on my old videos and uh, they're okay. Like I'm really proud. It's like a thousand something videos on my YouTube channel, Strong Opinion Sports. Um, I'm never going to delete any of my old stuff. I just, I have a principle. I don't delete my old content. I own my own mistakes. I want people to be able to see forever. Oh my gosh, Zach used to suck. Like if you watch my very first video ever, it's pretty bad. It's not good. And I want to leave it up there for like reference to always sell. There's a whole process here. I've tried to get better with all my videos and do that. Um, But again, I own my mistakes. I own my past. And when you watch some of my old videos, they're just not accurate representations of who I am today as a broadcaster. Now, I used to try to be like everybody else. I used to try to um, make emotional arguments and trump people up and do clickbaity titles. And um, I used to, I really like, I aspired to be like guys who are, you know, Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless, guys who, have a ton of views. And I just, I've really determined that's not the responsible way to make content. That's just not making all these emotional arguments, not without really a lot of facts behind them and not a lot of evidence. And I just, that's, I don't like doing that. I don't like making these grand statements about a player when you haven't done any research. I think the best example of this is if you look at one of my old videos, I said that Kyler Murray, I compared Kyler Murray. I watched like a couple highlights and then I compared Kyler Murray to Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel. That's just totally wrong, and it's an uneducated opinion. And so my old videos are a lot of that, where there are a lot of – some of them I'm very, very proud of. And you can tell which ones I did research on. You know, my NFL predictions last year from 2018 are, like, fantastic. I'm so proud of that video. I put in, like, two weeks of work to make that. But then some of my other videos are clearly, like, they're not well-researched. They're just a guy spewing out opinions, trying to be like everybody else. And so, well, look, I'm embarrassed about those videos. I'm not, like, proud of them. But that's my past. That's who I am. And, and I hope people can, you know, judge me for who I am today. I feel like now I found my own voice. And what's really, really cool is that, you know, as I found my own voice and started making my own content and doing it my own way and stopped trying to copy everybody else in the industry, my channel finally grew. My channel really has exploded recently. Um, and I like that. I found my own voice, which is really, really cool. So, again, I get comments from people that are, like, very angry. They're on my old videos from, like, five months ago. And I'm like... Yeah, like, I'm sorry. That's just not. I'm not. That's not an accurate representation of me anymore. And so they're out of date. And um, I don't know. I, I, you may not like what I say. You may not agree. Um, but I hope you know that I can now sleep at night because I know I do my research. And if I do my research, and I people are still mad at me. I can live with that. What I can't live with is what I said about Kyrie Murray, Kyler Murray. I said Kyler Murray is like Tim Tebow, like. <laughs> That's just wildly wrong and really, really stupid. And so um, I hope you can judge me on my work now and realize that my old videos are a really a different broadcaster, a different person um, who had – I had a different approach back then, and that's not who I am now. Okay. Um, oh, let's talk about the Packers. An article about the Packers released last week. Um, it's, it's on Bleach Report. It's called What Happened in Green Bay? And I really recommend you read it. It's a really, really good. It's very long. It's if you want to put a lot of effort into reading something, read that. It's like a book. I mean, really, it's like a chapter of a book. It's very long. 
uh, and what it basically boils down to is it shows the extreme dysfunction that Aaron Rodgers and his former coach Mike McCarthy had in Green Bay. So Aaron Rodgers, the Packers quarterback, always had a grudge against his former head coach, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy was fired in December. Uh, The reason for this grudge is because in 2005, Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, and the 49ers passed on drafting Aaron Rodgers. They drafted Alex Smith and did not pick Aaron Rodgers. And uh, that really, really hurt Aaron Rodgers. And what ensued for the next couple years after, eventually Mike McCarthy became the Packers head coach, and they just had a clash of egos. I mean, Mike McCarthy was part of the problem. He really wanted to be the guy. It sounded like he he believed that his offense and his schemes and the way he coached was the reason why the Packers were successful. And uh, Rodgers didn't respect him. Rodgers did not like the way he played. Coached. He said he had a low football IQ. And uh, I guess the point is this. Both of the guys wanted credit. And Aaron Rodgers consistently undermined his former head coach, Mike McCarthy. And the behavior that Rodgers has detailed in this article is um, wildly immature. Like a top quarterback in the NFL should not and cannot act that way. I don't think a college quarterback could get away with the things that Aaron Rodgers is accused of in this article. And I think a lot of them are true because what this article did is confirm a lot of rumors and confirm a lot of stuff. I've been saying for years, like you watch Aaron Rodgers, his body language on the sidelines is awful. He stares down wide receivers. He just rebukes people. He's just... Like, that's not good. And so, um, I don't know. I think it's very clear. Both Aaron Rodgers, the coach, uh, both Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, and Mike McCarthy, the coach, they were both part of the problem in Green Bay. And so what we're left with is this. Can Aaron Rodgers work with his new head coach, Matt LaFleur, the new coach in Green Bay? Is Aaron Rodgers still going to be a problem moving forward for the Green Bay Packers? And... um, Maybe it works, right? Matt LaFleur is a great offensive mind. He worked with Sean McVay. He's 39 years old. Aaron Rodgers is 35 years old. Maybe they hit it off. Maybe Aaron Rodgers respects his football IQ and they they work really well. Um, I don't think age matters, though. I I really, I don't think Aaron Rodgers respects anybody. Um, And I I just, I'm not a big believer in Aaron Rodgers right now. I don't want to be inflammatory. I don't want to make these grand statements, but I... I really am struggling to believe in Aaron Rodgers. He could prove me wrong. Maybe they're fantastic. If I had to pick one side or the other, though, if someone held the gun to my head and said, Zach, you got to decide. Do you believe in Aaron Rodgers or do you not? I do not. I would, I would say, I was, oh, I'm sorry. I to, please don't shoot me. And then I would say, <laughs> I, would say I, I don't believe in Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, he's caused drama with the Packers. He, what, he did, what Aaron Rodgers did was create tension in their locker room. Um, and that's not what a good leader does. A good leader does not divide the locker room and, and lead people away from the coach. A good leader says, we got to, I, I, I just, I, I can't buy it. I really, I don't know. And as, as I'm talking, as I'm realizing maybe that Aaron Rodgers, um, if Mike McCarthy really was as bad as the article says, then maybe Mike Aaron Rodgers is doing the right thing by saying, hey, this is not the direction we need to go. I'm the leader of this team. We got to go in another way. But the way he did it did not sound good. And his immaturity really, you know, I guess this, we've seen his body language for years, the way he jeers at people, he stares down wide receivers. And I'm sorry, I hope I'm wrong, um, but I think it's possible that the Packers have created with the amount of money they've paid Aaron Rodgers and with the things they have let him get away with, um, it's possible the Packers created an egotistical monster of Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, the words like ego, selfish, immature, 
Those are words you never, ever want to have uttered when you're a quarterback. Like, if you're saying Aaron Rodgers might be immature or might be really selfish or might have a huge ego, ooh, 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 those are not, as a quarterback myself, those are not words you want to hear said about you. Um, and I think it might be over. Like, I, I doubt Aaron Rodgers is willing to grow as a person. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to succeed with the new head coach, Matt LaFleur, and going to win games with the Packers and have a, a good end to his career, he's going to have to grow as a person and cannot act the way he acted with the former Packers head coach, Mike McCarthy. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's really great. It's going to be all good moving forward. Um, I have a hard time buying that because I hear a guy that this article it details a bunch of instances where you go, Aaron Rodgers is immature. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't treat people very well. And Aaron Rodgers undermined coaching when he didn't respect them. And you go, ooh, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it's ever going to work. And unless he changes and grows as a person, um, I don't think it's going to work in Green Bay. I think his career might be already over. Like it might, might, be, it might be it. Like it might be unsalvageable. And I hope I'm wrong, but we will see down the road. Again, if someone had a gun to my head, I would say I do not believe in Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh man, it's a sad story. The Alliance of American football has been shut down. They're, the league is over. They're done. And, uh, I was so sad. Like I really, I very much enjoyed this league. I thought it was awesome. Um, and, and basically what happened was this Tom Dundon invested a bunch of money, $250 million. He invested into the league. And what that did, let's be honest about this. He basically bought the league. He basically said, give me all the power. I'll give you money. And uh, the minute he did that, he began to negotiate with the NFL to become an official minor league of the NFL. They wanted to have a partnership where NFL teams could send down practice squad players to play in the AAF and send them back, you know, up and down like a minor league system. And um, the NFL PA did not like this. The NFL Players Association was not on board with this. And it really, it makes sense to me. The NFLPA's argument was, well, you're going to have players play in your league and then a couple months later go play in the NFL. And it makes sense. Like, because the leagues are at different times of the year, like minor league baseball takes place at the same time as major league baseball. So players can get sent up and down and they still have an off season to recover when the year's over. If you play in the AAF and then go play in the NFL immediately afterwards, you do not really have an offseason to prepare and recover from your season. You have a couple months, and then you're back into playing again. Um, So the NFLPA negotiated very briefly with Tom Dundon, and I think it became clear to Tom Dundon, the guy who invested a bunch of money in AAF, it's not going to work. And Tom Dundon pulled the plug. And so if anyone, if Alliance of American Football fans want someone to be mad at, the guy to be mad at is Tom Dundon, the guy who invested in the league. I think Charlie Ebersole, I think the other, what's the other guy's name? Uh, uh, the longtime NFL GM. I can't remember his name right now. They really believed in the league, though. The people who founded the AAF believed in it, wanted it to succeed. Tom Dundon, the guy with the money, said, nah, I got, I'm good. I, I don't want to do this. Um, and it's sad to me. It, it's really funny. You know, there was talk. One of the press releases that the Alliance put out was said, like, hold on hope. Maybe there'll be a season two. And <laughs> I just... The audacity it takes to say that. Um, Look, the league lost all credibility. If they ever try anything again, I'm not going to buy into the AAF. Like, I'm sorry, you burned me. It's emotional for me. I I got invested, and you pulled the rug right out from under me. I'm not going to buy into this league ever again. To pull the plug on the the league midseason, like week eight? Finish the year at the very least. You left players hanging, left everybody hanging, and it's just not good. Um, And look, I'm embarrassed. I made videos saying... 
I believed in the AAF and I, I'm embarrassed I ever had that opinion because I was way off. Like I was embarrassingly wrong about this. Um, and here's the good news. Vince McMahon's XFL is on the way. Vince McMahon is the chairman and CEO of the WWE. And the reason why I'm on board with this and I like it is because one, um, they have a bunch of money behind them. And Vince McMahon repeatedly, like audaciously has said, I want, and like ferociously is the word I would come up with is he said, I want the XFL to work. He's invested money. We saw stories recently where he pulled like another $270 million away. I sold it away in stocks to create money for the XFL. Vince McMahon wants the XFL to succeed, which I like that. I really, I love that actually, because I want another football league. I want football to watch in the off season. And so the fact that he's doing this, I'm all in, you know, Vince McMahon is strapped with cash and he's got an attitude where he's taking the NFL head on, which maybe that was the weakness of the AAF was saying, we want to pair with the, with the NFL. And, uh, the NFL did not, the NFL PA at least was not willing to work with the AAF and the XFL isn't going to try that. They're going to say, screw you. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to play football. We're going to pay players and we're going to make it happen. I like that. I think that could work. Um, and I think the, the flaws and the problems with the AAF were financial and they really tied, tried to tie themselves to the NFL. The problems the AAF had are the exact opposite approaches that the XFL is doing. The XFL has a ton of money. They're backed by a giant organization. They have a founder and a guy. They're, the guy in charge of the XFL has a ton of money. It's not guys without money asking for help. That's a huge key difference that really pays off. And again, Vince McMahon wants to take the NFL head on. He doesn't care about working with them. That was a flaw with the AAF's approach is when the NFL wasn't willing to work with them, they ran into problems. And so I like it. I believe in the XFL. Um, I'm excited. Again, I want more football. That's what I like. And I'll say this too. Players, you know, players who are, I played with two guys in high school who are in the NFL and uh, they have, they believe in the XFL. The guys I've talked to uh, who hover around the league, who are NFL free agents, say that they believe the XFL will work financially. I know a guy who, had an opportunity to play in the AAF and did not because his agent said they're not financially viable. And I know some players in the AAF did not even put the fact that they played on teams on their social media because they were embarrassed and didn't believe in the league. The attitude is very different with the XFL. The XFL has financial backing and players who played in the league and who have, who are likely to play in the league players who graduated college or kind of NFL free agents kind of hovering around that level they, those players believe in the XFL financially. It makes a huge difference and means they'll get better, probably better talent. So next year in 2020, uh, sorry for my rambling, but I'm excited. I really, I want more football. I like that stuff. Um, we're going to get another league and the XFL will not have a competitor. There's not going to be two leagues happening at once. There's only going to be one league, the XFL. That's really good. I will watch it. I will invest in it. I hope Johnny Manziel plays in it. Uh, so I am rooting for the XFL. I hope it works. And I am so excited to watch. Um, I need water. Where's my water? It's so far away. Oh, well. Uh, today is my first day of, today's my first day of college football practice. It's spring football practice. Um, I play quarterback and, um, I'm going to take a very brief break from strong opinion sports. I'm going to, you know, focus all my attention on spring football. Uh, again, very short. And I, what I want to be very clear is the expectations. You can expect me to regularly put out content again, starting on May 14th. Uh, when spring ball ends, the show will be back to making content, pumping out content often. 
Um, I know it's weird to take a break from strong opinion sports. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, especially the way the show has been blowing up recently, I have a lot of momentum. I don't want to ruin that. Um, but I, and let me be very clear too, taking time off is not easy for me. It's not like excited. I love doing the podcast. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, taking time off doesn't feel good in my heart and in my gut. Um, but I, I play quarterback and I think it's very important for me to, if I'm going to play quarterback, that's the guy that a lot of people put their eyeballs on. And I think it's very important for me to put my full attention on football. If I'm going to play football, you got to be all in, especially if you're going to play quarterback. And so again, it's not easy, but I look at playing college football as kind of a, an investment like short term. It hurts me short term playing football, taking a break from strong opinion sports. It's not good. It's not something I'm like super thrilled about, but long term, 10 years from now, the show is going to be better because I played college football. I'll have really good stories, I'll have a depth of knowledge, have a lot of insight. Um, I think playing college football is really good for strong opinion sports in the long run. So again, I'm taking a brief break. Um, if you want, you can follow me on Instagram at Zach Schaumler, watch my Instagram stories. Um, in May after the draft, what we're going to do is do a whole bunch of quarterback breakdowns. I have a bunch planned. We'll do Sam Darnold. We'll do Josh Allen. This is in May. May 14th is when I'll start pumping out really great high-level uh, NFL breakdowns of quarterbacks. We'll do Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Joe Flacco. Can't wait to watch Joe Flacco. We'll do Trevor Lawrence. We'll do Lamar Jackson, Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Uh, we have a whole summer to fill of quarterback analysis. That's what I can't wait to do. I, I, my summer is going to be just watching film and making videos, and that's all I really want to do. Um, so again, please don't forget about me. I'll be back. I'm going to take a very brief couple-week break, um, but I will be back. Strong Opinion Sports is my favorite thing in the entire world, and um, I just want to I, – I think really if I'm going to play quarterback, you got to be all in. And so I need to focus my attention for the rest of April on football, um, and I just want to be upfront with you guys and very clear. I don't feel good about it. I don't like taking a break, but right now at this time in my life, it's the only opportunity I will ever get to play college football. If I wait five more years, it's over. I can't play college football. And so, uh, for my sanity, when I'm 50 years old and I look back on my life, if I know I, I did everything I did and played college football, um, I'll feel, I'll feel okay with that. You know, my dad could go back to college at 50 years old. My dad can't play college football. This is the only time in my life I get to do this. Um, and I hope you understand that. I hope you respect that. Give me two, three weeks. I'll be back. Um, and, uh, and then again, May 14th, I'll, I'll make, I, I, my plan is to make something in between. Um, but May 14th is when regularly scheduled consistent content will be back. I'll be pumping out a lot of stuff. So again, thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. Um, I just want to be very clear, very upfront. I love strong opinion sports. I'm not going away forever. It can be two, three weeks. Um, and just please give me patience as I play football. Um, and I'm doing spring, uh, spring ball. Okay, uh, I have three stories left I want to talk about. I know, it's a long show today. I have a lot of stuff on my heart, a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Um, I think we should do this first. The Texas Tech basketball team just beat Michigan State. They're now playing for the national championship. That is tonight. They're playing Virginia in the national championship. And uh, look, the sad thing is this. this. This video and this podcast will not go out until after the national championship happens. I have no idea who's going to win. I'm not that invested, but I love stories. And I read a story today. Uh, I guess a couple days ago, my, my coach actually sent it to me, a story about uh, Virginia, uh, about Texas Tech basketball. And what I learned was Texas Tech in the preseason before the year started took a team weekend retreat um, to, I quote, the middle of nowhere. And um, 
what they did is they took a weekend retreat. They left their phones. They were out of contact with everybody in their life and said, we're going to focus on each other and build relationships with each other. Uh, Tariq Owens, a Texas Tech forward, quoted in an article by Yahoo Sports, said that what they did was they learned things about each other that normally take two or three years to learn. They got really, really intensely close as a team because of this weekend trip they took in the preseason. Uh, and um, I, I really am encouraged to hear this. Here's why. I'm biased. Uh, my college football team every year takes a trip, uh, a weekend trip at the beginning of fall football camp. We don't do football for two days. We go into the beach. We leave our phones. We give our coaches our phones. No phones. No civilization. We just talk to each other and hang out and have team bonding. And um, I've never done this before. I, I just transferred in. I started in February at my new school. I have no idea what this trip is going to be like. Everyone says it's the best weekend of their lives. And the fact that Texas Tech did it and they stand by it, they really – they all say it's been integral to their success, that preseason trip they took. Texas Tech attributes it to a lot of their success they've had this year. Um, as a player and this guy who's getting ready to do one of those in the fall, I go, oh, that's really cool. And so tonight, the team I'm rooting for is Texas Tech. I hope they win because I have an emotional connection. I said, oh, they do a cool trip. We do a cool trip. And, and I hope they win because of that. So um, I, just, I just thought it was an interesting little story that they took a trip as a team. Um, and they, they had phones away and just did no civilization. Uh, one other thing. We have two more stories left. We're going to do my top seven quarterbacks. Not my top seven. Um, I'm going to make a, a topic at the end of the show. The seven college quarterbacks I cannot wait to watch in 2019. But before we get there, I want to talk about baseball very briefly. Um, <sighs> I, I am really struggling with baseball. I, really, I, I love the sport. I played baseball as a kid. Uh, professional baseball, though, seems to people forget that it's entertainment. It seems like people are so staunch and so old and so like stuck in their ways. Major League Baseball seems to forget that sometimes it's a television show. Like the reason why the NFL is so fantastic is they are very well aware that they are the best television show on football. They are uh, on TV. They are a television show. They're not necessarily just a sport. And baseball has, it's this game, there's these traditions and this and that. And it's like, okay, uh, you realize at the end of the day, baseball is for entertainment. It's intended to be a show you watch. Um, and so the other day, this is not directly um, in line with each other, but the other day I saw a call where Manny Machado was called out for interference um, where he hit a, he hit a pop-up and uh, the catcher was running for the ball and uh, Manny Machado dropped his bat along the side along the side of the the uh, the baseline the catcher dropped the dropped the ball and Manny Machado was called out for interference because he dropped the bat I guess near where the catcher's feet were and, and technically that's interference and made it hard for him to catch the ball now notice he didn't trip on the bat nothing happened uh, and Manny Machado was called out. I'm not disputing the fact that Manny Machado was called out for that. I guess that's technically interference. Fine. What really kills me, though, is the way that the broadcasters for the Diamondback, uh, the broadcasters for the Diamondbacks went after Manny Machado, called him Bush League, said this was bad, this is awful, this, that. Um, I don't know. I, I First of all, actually, I, I know I'm not supposed to say this. I really liked that move. Like when a guy says, hmm, and like the thought process to go, there's a pop-up right here. If I drop my bat here, will the guy maybe have a trouble catching it? And in fact, it worked. Man, Machado's little strategy, putting his bat down, actually, I think, messed with the concentration. The catcher dropped the pop-up. And 
I, I guess that's a dirty play. Like, cause the fear is the catcher trips on it. He falls, he gets hurt and you don't want anything Manny Machado does to injure anybody. And I understand that. Like I, I really, and look, I don't want anybody to get hurt and I'm going to get in trouble for sure for saying any of this stuff. Um, but I don't think people understand like where it comes from. Where does that come from as an athlete to go, Hmm, if I do this, it gives me an edge and it might help me. At the end of the day, like I like that mindset that an athlete would say, hmm, what can I do? Can I do everything in my power to succeed? Um, now, I know that's a slippery slope. That's when you get into HGH, you get into drugs, all that stuff. But the, the baseline mindset of going, I want to win. I don't want to be out. I like that competitive. Like No one seems to appreciate the competitive side of Manny Machado to say, I'm not just a punk who does bad stuff. I'm trying to give myself an edge. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to succeed. And... I get why everyone hates Manny Machado. Manny Machado um, is, is called a dirty player by many people. Because sports are entertainment, and because baseball inherently should be entertaining, I'm a huge fan of Manny Machado. He gives us drama. He gives us intrigue. He gives us people. He makes you pick a side about him. Do you like him? Do you hate him? He's controversial. I'm a big fan of Manny Machado because of this. Um, he's kind of like the Draymond Green of baseball. Draymond Green is a player for the Warriors. He's a really good all-star, and he's called a dirty player by many people. I would kill to have a guy like Draymond Green on my high school basketball team. I love that. The chippiness, the attitude, the edge he wants to win. I respect all those traits, and that's what I respect about Manny Machado. No one is willing to say in any of this, like, a guy who's a little bit dirty, I don't know. I kind of like that. I like a guy who has an edge and wants to win. Uh, and now, mind you, I'm the guy who got in a brawl in high school playing quarterback. Like, that's, that's who I am. Um, but I, I just, as a fan of sports, Manny Machado is a welcome change in baseball. A very a sport I struggle with because it's boring and they don't seem to understand. It's supposed to be fun and entertaining. And it's not just about ground balls. It's about drama and controversy. And no sport, like, has leaned into controversy less. No sport has been less embraceful of controversial stuff than baseball. Basketball has great storylines with star players and controversies. The NFL has controversies all the time. Baseball is somewhat stagnant. And when you have a guy like Manny Machado, I don't know why more people don't just embrace him and go, yes, some interesting crap to talk about and to watch and observe. You might hate that he dropped his bat and tried to get the catcher to trip on it. And so he would drop the the catch, whatever. But as a fan of sports and a fan of, I, I love baseball. Like baseball at its root. Playoff baseball is so good. Um, and as a guy who wants entertaining stuff from baseball, I love Manny Machado. And I'm sad that more people don't embrace him and more people don't like him. Because I really, really appreciate the way Manny Machado plays the game and the way he carries himself. The way he makes me interested and has controversy and storylines. Like my favorite baseball players are Bryce Harper and Manny Machado because they are just always interesting. And I guess the point of this is like, I, I'm really struggling with people who bash on Manny Machado. I think he's good for the sport because he brings people like me who are kind of vanilla fans and on the fringe and looking for interesting. Manny Machado brings people like me to the fold. And that's why he's good for baseball and why I don't think people should hate him as much as they do. Okay. Uh, sorry, that went long. I, I didn't intend to have that be some long segment, but I just, um, man, base, baseball, like, Hello, like your entertainment, and they don't seem to get that. Um, my final story of the day. There are seven college quarterbacks I cannot wait to watch 
in 2019. The 2019 season is going to be so fun because these seven guys, I cannot wait to track. Uh, there are three quarterbacks that are not on this list. Trevor Lawrence is not on the list. Tua Tungvaloa is on the list. Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon, is not on the list. Um, because, look, they're, they're really good, and we know they're going to be good. There's less intrigue there. Um, another quarterback that's not on the list is Kelly Bryant, the quarterback from Mizzou. I don't care. I don't think he, I think he's very much overrated. I don't think like these are quarterbacks I think could be really good or could be very interesting. I think Kelly Bryant is neither good nor interesting. I don't think Missouri is going to be that great next year. Um, I could, I could be wildly wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll own it. I don't care. But right now where I sit in my chair, I just, I don't have an emotional draw to Kelly Bryant, the quarterback at Missouri. And I don't think they're going to be that great. The number one quarterback I cannot wait to watch next year in 2019 is Justin Fields, the quarterback at Ohio State. Um, He's a transfer from Georgia. He is immediately eligible. He will likely be Ohio State's starting quarterback. He wasn't the starting quarterback at Georgia. And uh, I I understand. Um, Here's my my opinion on that. Jake Frum is the quarterback at Georgia. And um, I believe it's possible that Justin Fields is actually a better quarterback than Jake Frum. But Jake Frum is never going to get benched at Georgia. Here's why. He plays well. He's doing a good job. And when Georgia, they've won a lot in the last two years. In 2018, they went 11-3. In 2017, Georgia went 13-2. and You can't bench a quarterback who's playing well when your team is winning. The minute Georgia struggles, they might re-examine Jake Frum. But he's, he's playing well. He's not having a bad career at all. And there's no reason to bench him. So why would you? Why would you let Jake DeBeeson come back? Why would you let Justin Fields come back? Um, I think Justin Fields is a really, really high-level quarterback who has a better arm and is far more interesting running the ball than Jake Frum. I cannot wait to watch him. Again, huge arm, runs the ball. I think he could potentially be a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins was at Ohio State. I cannot wait to watch Justin Fields' new quarterback at Ohio State. The second quarterback I cannot wait to watch um, is Jacob Eason, the quarterback, another Georgia transfer. Jacob Eason is at University of Washington. Jacob Eason transferred two years ago. He had to sit a year out, um, and I, I cannot wait to watch him. He has a fantastic arm, and he's a guy who he got hurt at Georgia. Jake Frum came in, and Jake Frum played well, and Jacob Eason never got a chance again. Um, on April 27th, I'm going to watch Jacob Eason at the University of Washington in his spring game. And I cannot wait to watch. Look, if you watch Jacob Eason throw the football, he's just different. He's very, uh, got a unique amount of arm strength that you just don't see from everybody. I believe the quarterback who's going to shred the Pac-12 for the next two years, and I think the best quarterback in the Pac-12 right this minute is Jacob Eason, the quarterback at the University of Washington. Now, the third quarterback I can't wait to watch is the quarterback who left Ohio State. Um, When Justin Fields announced he was transferring in, Tate Martell transferred out. He said, I want a chance to play. Uh, I don't want to compete with Justin Fields. I'm out. And um, it, what's funny, too, is he talked a bunch of smack. And Tate Martell talked a bunch of smack. Don't come here. I'm the guy. It takes a lot of work. Da, da, da. And the minute he had to actually compete with Justin Fields, Tate Martell left. So uh, now Tate Martell is at Miami. And I have no idea if he's actually any good. And in fact, I think you could compare Kelly Bryant Uh, and Tate Martell. They're very similar. They're both average quarterbacks playing on average teams who left really good teams. Um, But the reason why Tate Martell is interesting is because of his ties to his ties to uh, Justin Fields and his ties to Ohio State. I think Miami's not going to play that great. I think uh, Tate Martell is going to struggle, but if he plays great, 
Ooh, that's an interesting story. And so I just am curious and fascinated. Is Tate Martell any good? I don't know if he is. I don't know if he's not. Um, He's just intriguing. It's like a car crash on the freeway. It might not be good at all, but you can't take your eyes off it. And I cannot wait to watch Tate Martell, the new quarterback at Miami. He is also immediately eligible. The fourth quarterback I cannot wait to watch. um, It's my favorite quarterback of all time in college. It's Jalen Hurts, the quarterback at Oklahoma. Um, I will always, always, always respect Jalen Hurts because of what he did at Alabama. Whether he plays well at Oklahoma or not, his legacy is cemented because of the class he showed when he was benched at Alabama and they put Tua Tungvaloa, a Heisman finalist, as the starting quarterback. Um, his, his amount of class is ridiculous. And uh, two years ago, he was not very good. Right, Two years ago, Jalen Hurts was the crux and the problem for Alabama uh, in the SEC championship game last year, he got put in the game and, and elevated their team and won a lot of games. Won and won and helped them win the game in the SEC championship over Georgia. Um, I think it's possible Jalen Hurts has really improved over the years as a quarterback. Maybe he's a better quarterback now than he was last time we saw him as a starter at Alabama. Um, now he's at Oklahoma. He's got Lincoln Riley, a fantastic really, really high-level quarterback coach. I think the best quarterback coach in the country is Lincoln Riley, the coach at Oklahoma. And I'm just so curious to see how does coaching elevate and make Jalen Hurts better? You know, Oklahoma's won... The quarterback at Oklahoma has won the last two Heisman trophies. Um, And and is it possible Jalen Hurts makes a a bunch of noise and plays really well at Oklahoma? I think it is. And that's what I can't wait to watch, is he might not be great, and that's why it's interesting, but man... If he's fantastic and really elevates because of Lincoln Riley, it would be so cool to see that. The number five quarterback I cannot wait to watch in the 2019, uh, 2019's college football season is the USC quarterback, JT Daniels. Um, so he started as a true freshman last year at USC. He had 2,672 yards, 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He had marginal stats. USC kind of struggled, I think, partially because he is really young and really inexperienced. Here's what's crazy about JT Daniels. He should have been a high school senior last year, but he skipped ahead and went to college early. He finished his senior and junior year in the same, at the same time, finished, junior year, finished his senior year while a junior in high school, went to college early, and became the starting quarterback as a true freshman at USC. That's un- that never happened. That's unbelievable. I think he's a special talent that needs really good coaching. USC was very stagnant last year. They had very marginal, very average, very boring play calling. Their new offensive coordinator is Graham Harrell, the former Texas Tech quarterback, a guy who's got air raid ties. Um, Plus, he's got a really good wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown. I can't wait to watch JT Daniels' development. I think he'll be better year one to year two. He's going to have a better coach with better offensive schemes, and he's a year older and wiser. I cannot wait to watch JT Daniels, the quarterback at USC. The, f- the sixth quarterback I can't wait to watch is actually a quarterback out of Colorado, uh, Steven Montez. I think he could be the next big NFL talent. Nobody really, he's under the radar. No one really talks about him, but he's six foot five, has a huge arm, great accuracy, plus he can run the ball really, really well. Um, it's going to be Jacob Eason, Justin Herbert. So probably Justin Herbert's the best quarterback in the Pac-12, then Jacob Eason, and then Steven Montez. They are the top three quarterbacks next year in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is chock full of Really interesting quarterbacks for the first time in a long time. I mean, the Pac-12 has not been a great conference and not been interesting. This is the most interested I've ever been in the Pac-12 in recent years because of Justin uh, Justin Herbert, Jacob Eason, Stephen Montez. We got JT Daniels at USC. 
Um, he's really good. He's a redshirt senior, and he's really fascinating. I think he could emerge as a second or third round quarterback based on his talent, maybe even a first round quarterback. He's got a new coach. He's got average stats last year. Last year, Steven Montez had 2,849 yards, 19 touchdowns, nine interceptions. His coach, is, his coach was fired. Um, but physically, the ability Steven Montez has, he might be really, he's really, really physically gifted. Um, and I just can't wait to watch. Like, does he progress and become an NFL quarterback or not? I don't know. But that's what I want to see from Steven Montez. What kind of quarterback does he progress as and become in his senior year of college? The last quarterback I'm really excited to watch in the 2019 college football season is Adrian Martinez, the quarterback out of Nebraska. Um, he started last year as a true freshman at Nebraska, which is fantastic. Here's why I think he could be a really interesting quarterback next year. One, he's got an NFL arm talent. He's really, really, he can run, but he's got a great arm, a high level, really good NFL arm talent. But the second is that his head coach is Scott Frost. Scott Frost is a former Nebraska quarterback, a former college quarterback himself, and a really, really good head coach. They had a bad year last year. You know, Nebraska went four and eight, uh, but they were starting a true freshman at quarterback. They had a lot of things they were rebuilding. Adrian Martinez had 2,617 yards, 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And I just want to see if they can build off last year. I think last year, you know, when you start a true freshman at quarterback, usually you're saying this year is going to suck. We're building on the future. We're investing in our, in our, the next years to come. And I think that's what happened with Adrian Martinez. I think it's very possible. He makes a really big jump and becomes one of the more fascinating quarterbacks in the big 10 next year. I can't wait to watch again. The seven quarterbacks. I can't wait to watch next year. Quarterback out of Colorado, Steven Montez quarterback out of Nebraska, Adrian Martinez, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback at Oklahoma, JT Daniels from USC, Tate Martell from Miami, Jacob Eason from University of Washington, and Justin Fields from the Ohio State University. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And uh, this is my podcast. Again, you can help me, support me on Patreon. You can support me on PayPal, paypal.me forward slash Zach Schaumler, paypal.com. Sorry, patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. I shouldn't put this in. I'm going to play a promo at the end anyways. Guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. Oh, first day of spring practice tonight. Wish me luck. It's going to be fun. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done. I just want to say thank you so very much for watching. I really, really appreciate it. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is my podcast, Strong Opinion Sports, and it is my favorite thing in the entire world. I love it. Uh, In fact, my dream is to someday do Strong Opinion Sports as my full-time job. If you believe in me, if you believe in that dream, please help me grow by telling your friends about the show. Share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter. Maybe you put a screenshot of it, maybe you put it on Instagram. Uh, It does me a huge help if you can tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Another way you can help me if you want, no pressure, I have a PayPal, paypal.me forward slash Zach Schaumler. I also have a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. It does me a huge help if you want to. Um, and uh, really, if you have no money to give, no problem, please. The, the number one thing, if you want to help Strong Opinion Sports, the number one thing you can do is help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast.